Welcome to the club no one ever wanted to join. This is Refused, the unofficial podcast of Eliasm.org. Having a tough time spelling that? It's an acronym for I Live in a Sexless Marriage. Listen to stories, articles, and sometimes the dark humor experienced by those in sexless marriages here on Refused. On Eliasm.org, you'll see much wiser people than me give advice on coping with sexless marriage. And you may see my less useful posts under the name Mirror Orchid. Until then, you've suffered enough. On with the show. Recently, the Eliza member, Works For Me Too, made the egregious mistake of complimenting one of my posts. Well, no good deed goes unpunished, so here it is. The Parable of 100 Dogs and 95 Bones Imagine a small community comprising 100 dogs. Each morning they set off into the field to dig for bones. If there were enough bones buried in the field, then all the dogs would succeed in their search, no matter how slow, dumb, or inefficient they were. Now imagine that one day the 100 dogs set off for the field as usual, but this time they find there are only 95 bones buried. Some dogs, who are always very sharp, dig up two bones, as usual, and others dig up the usual one bone, but as a matter of accounting, at least five dogs will return home boneless. Now imagine, we assume, that it is the skills and motivation of the boneless dogs that is the problem. They are not bonable enough. So a range of dog psychologists and dog trainers are called in to work on the attitudes and skills of the boneless dogs. The dogs undergo assessment and are assigned case managers. They are told that unless they train, they will forever go hungry. They feel despondent. Anyway, after running and digging skills are imparted to the boneless dogs, things start to change. Each day, as the 100 dogs go in search of 95 bones, we start to observe different dogs coming back boneless. The boneless cue seems to become shuffled by the training programs. However, on any particular day, there are still 100 dogs running into the field and only 95 bones are buried there. This parable was offered as an observation why training alone doesn't solve unemployment in an environment of insufficient jobs at bilbo.com economicoutlook.net slash blog slash question mark p equals 1868. Good luck with that. Training just means that the population of unemployed boneless dogs shifts but doesn't diminish. Over on the podcast, Dad's Starting Over, the host emphasizes physical fitness to appeal to women's primitive lizard brain, whether these women are prospects or spouses. The confidence and cheering on of these men overlooks the 95 bones problem. It's a competition of diminishing returns. If the wimpiest among us get trim, then those who are trim must get firm to outcompete the newcomers. Those already firm will need to get buff to attract female eyes, and those who are buff will need to get swole, and those already swole will start doing steroids and hurting themselves to maintain their place in the hierarchy. Surely, 
other facets can enhance the package, wealth, smarts, humor, lifetime experience, and dozens of others, and DSO does include these, but I grow uncomfortable with the emphasis on the physical because it is a time commitment that is firm and fleeting. It is all too easy to lose gains in physical fitness, injuries, demotivation, and life events that force abandonment of programs make me look askance at the push to be physically beautiful. The ladies will have their own correlation, not just in gym time, but in plastic surgery, clothing, accessories, and makeup. There's a point at which you should be ready to say, enough! I can't invest more in this bullshit. DSO has strategies in common with MGTOW and pickup artist, minus the misogynist enmity towards women. Even so, the resigned acceptance of hypergamy can drive men towards a competitive spirit that could lead a race to ruin. I'm confident, I paraphrase, but I cannot find the original quote. When the crowd goes left, and some go right, I look to see a way forward. That is, what solution is no one advocating for? You can compete with the rest of mankind and become a better prize endlessly. You can give up entirely and stay in your league. Or you can do the unthinkable, the socially repugnant. Bottom feed. Establish what your league is, then deliberately seek out companionship, quote, beneath you, unquote. In an age of global competition where elites would have you thrash about and claw your way up the ladder, what becomes of the person who deliberately, voluntarily, unashamedly, enthusiastically, quote-unquote, settles? I would rather sit on a pumpkin and have it all to myself than be crowded on a velvet cushion, said Henry David Thoreau. Where are all the guys looking for pumpkins when they can't muscle their way onto a cushion? There might be hundreds of pumpkins in a field, yet the masses stand longing for a corner of a cushion. This may produce a demotivation to improve, but what of it? Do we not look forward to a week every year to allow ourselves to do nothing of value? Is vacation not something we long for? Do we value what we seek enough to never retire? Then why do we so look forward to it? DSO's drive to be attractive to one's mate should have a backstop, a point at which one says, fuck it. Sure, fix your flaws, gain skills, grow in a way that makes you pleased with yourself, but the idea of reaching for a carrot with nothing short of that carrot being sufficient may be a recipe for depression and failure. Maintaining success may involve a lifetime sentence of vigilance to maintain your quote-unquote league, and if you punched high, it's that much harder to stay on top. There is research suggesting many men overestimate their own value. The natural consequence is they overestimate their place in the hierarchy and naturally misjudge who is in their quote-unquote league. The reprehensible, loathsome choice to be happy with what is easily obtained with no concern for appearances or esteem from others may not just be a better choice for some, it may be the only choice. Some men are attempting the truly impossible. 
striving mightily to self-improve to the point of achieving partnership with women they hope to make their equals, while ignoring those who admire them already. I dare say it. Get over yourself. You don't need what you're due. Accepting less is a magnanimous act. Generosity in your value with those quote-unquote undeserving can be a point of pride and bring with it serenity. Were you to partner with someone who must struggle mightily to obtain, is any pleasure in the union going to last through a lifetime of maintaining the effort? Maybe. It could also require luck. Is it unthinkable to build in some leeway? A set advantage that might be temporarily lost through misfortune and you would be coupled with someone who would still feel fulfilled even in your diminished state. Should it turn out to be a longer-lasting setback and the partner unworthy of you deluded themselves into thinking they were your equal, perhaps they were, remember, men overestimating their value, they may lose interest and you'll find a need to shuffle the deck. You may need to seek out someone yet, quote-unquote, lower unless you seek to reclaim your position through the same relentless effort some choose to obtain a partner currently above them. I put it to the advocates of DSO, pickup artists, and MGTOW that there is happiness and value to be found in saying, you do you. While you're at the gym, I'll be chatting up your girlfriend's ugly friend over coffee. And while Mr. Muscles is at coffee with his hottie, you'll be at the movies with your lesser sweetheart. Point is, he doesn't get that time at the gym back unless you want to be better in that specific way. I find it acceptable to question hunting hard for prizes that ain't that great. That was the post. Everything that follows works for me too, has not vouched for. Caveat emptor. So I've talked about deliberate slacking, finding beauty and joy in the easily obtained rather than busting your ass for quote-unquote quality. What is this to do with sexless marriage? Well, part of what triggers the initiative to self-improve is sexlessness in these marriages. The DSO podcasts and forums also cover, eventually, the ultimatum of threatening to leave. The reinvention of the self reignites the bedroom in the success stories trotted out on DSO. Not much mention of the divorces that happen anyway, or the failures where nothing changes. That's kept quiet. This essay is for those cases. It may be your spouse finds you unworthy in any improved state you can manage. Perhaps there are mental issues blocking a renewal of passion. Frustration by the refused spouse may lead them to why chase. I became so much better. I fixed so many flaws. Why aren't we knocking the boots? This essay says, improve as much as you like. When you go beyond to pain in the ass levels, it may be time for that ultimatum. You need not be your best self before you demand some sign that you have a future. If you were repellent before, it may be time to see whether your new, improved self has game. 
If you have engaged in flirty banter before, it should suggest the new improved you will receive intimate attention if your body is put on the market. Perhaps your market value is truly beneath that of your spouse, and were you single, you'd be out of your league. That may suggest the only answer is to slip outside of it, one way or another. If you choose to go on the hunt again, either through outsourcing or divorce, and there are many reasons why a refused spouse would not, and no judgment here if you stay in your marriage, what a strange world Eliza is, isn't it? You may wish to build in the leeway I described so you'll not tolerate rejection again. You'll know you're worthy of intimate companionship and perhaps make your partner feel lucky rather than entitled to have found you. That's today's show. Thanks for listening. Drop by Eliasm.org to learn a whole lot more about sexless managers and what to do about them. Or just find this sympathetic ear. That's I L I A S M dot org. We're sorry you tuned in, but do it again soon. The intro and outro music is sampled from the instrumental Drown in Thoughts on the album Illusions by X Tickerex, whose name I may be butchering. Available at freemusicarchive.org. This episode of Refused is not brought to you by Parker Lewis Can't Lose. The worst part about Ferris Bueller's day off? When he tells you it's over, and you should go home. Well, dry those tears and head over to Crackle or buy the DVDs from Amazon or something and tune into a show that could have been called Ferris Bueller's Sleeps In. An obvious yet competently constructed ripoff of the beloved movie that helped make Fox the fourth network and launch its platform for world domination based out of Australia. Have a few hours to kill and don't want to exercise, do something productive, or write a letter to your mom? Tune in to Parker Lewis Can't Lose. So long. You're not alone. It'll be okay. I need a better sign-off. And no judgment here if you stay in your marriage. What a weird...